have to start with the culture. We have to start with the values. We have to start with the why and the how and then how we think and how we work with each other. And then the what we do and the how we actually do things will come and, you know, we'll be able to improve those as we need to. Hey there, friend. It's Stephanie Krevins, your host of the Hot Mess Hotline, where we help mid-level leaders learn to think like entrepreneurs. For these next two episodes, you're going to hear from my friend and colleague, Mike Loggins. He is the Global Vice President of IT at SMC, which is an international manufacturing company. Right now, he is working on a massive agile transformation for his global IT teams, and he is raising the bar for awesomeness across the entire organization. Not only can I count him as a dear friend, but he is the quintessential pro troublemaker that we all need at these levels in our organization. So I want you to learn from him what he's doing to create change. In particular, in in his episodes, he's going to tell us about some space constraints that they had in their organization and how this lack of physical space or really like this improper physical space reinforce the mental space that they had going on in their team. And what I mean by that with a bunch of IT folks, you know, these folks tend to be introverted, analytical. Those are wonderful gifts. But when it comes to agile transformation, we've got to ask them to step up their game. And so their introversion, them holding their work too close to their vest and the solo work was not getting the team to where it needs to be in terms of transparency, collaboration, teamwork, and transformation, ultimately, for not only the North American IT team, but global IT teams and the entire company, friends. This is what's at stake when we do the best work, when we show up and bring some pro-troublemaking skills to our organizations. All right, friends, let's dig into this interview. This is the first episode with Mike Loggins, where he's going to tell you about this hot mess that they had on their hands, really describe for you the problems and what was at stake if it didn't change. And then I need you to listen in on his second episode too. All right, see you on the flip side. All right, let's dig in. Mike Loggins, tell me about hot mess in your career and your job. What happened that just tore your world apart? Oh man! So as we've grown, and, and this is something that's been happening recently here, as we've grown as a as an IT organization, we ended up not being able to be anywhere near each other. So our building here in in the United States is is quite large. There's so, you know, multiple floors, different areas, and we ended up finding ourselves separated across the entire building. So we had mm. people on each floor separated by hundreds of feet, a couple hundreds of feet. Um, and it just, uh, you know, as we're in the middle of this transformation, trying to figure out how to work better together, trying to figure out how to collaborate with each other, yes. we put all these, all these physical barriers were in the middle of that, that just grinded that to a halt no matter how hard they tried it just was too hard and there's too many impediments to being able to get up and work with each other because it meant having to absolutely stop everything you could be doing to physically go move somewhere else to go do it Mm. and for context how big is your team how big is your it team about 40 people here in the Mm -hmm. noblesville headquarters 
and we sit currently in an office space that's a couple hundred thousand square feet and in a building that's a little over a million square feet in size. Yes. So. so you had people everywhere, helter-skelter. In IT, you really need people in the same proximity in order to collaborate. Yeah, for, for what we're trying to do, you know, obviously with everything going on with, with uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic going around, everyone started moving to virtual anyway, but even, you know, that's not our preferred method when we, when we can, and it won't be once everything starts clearing up and gets a little easier to do, but it, we just couldn't, we couldn't get there. And so it put teams like the support team who have to be available to the, the rest of the business at a real disadvantage from the, from what we're trying to do because they couldn't leave their desks. Mm. So they could not participate in a lot of the, of the uh, collaboration. They could not get a, be a part of things like that. Mm. Um, and then what ended up happening is the way we started solving it at that point was we just started consuming conference rooms, which answered some of the questions we had, but then made us a bunch of jerks to the rest of the company because yes. we basically squatted all over this, uh, all over this building. So no one could use anything because IT was everywhere. For some of you listening now, as, as this comes out and in the future, you're like, what do you mean you're trying to get people sitting closer together? <laughs> Pre-COVID, my friends, pre-COVID. All right, Mike, yeah. hit us up. Yeah, what was, that, what was that pain that you all were experiencing? Well, it, it was twofold. I mean, collaboration wasn't happening. It was still mm -hmm. happening over email, which oh. is by far the worst collaboration method, I think, other than, you know, handwritten notes going back and forth across the building. Yes. Or staring, uh, sending carrier pigeons. Um, what about string cans? Do you have any string cans? I, I, I'm, sure we, I'm sure we were about real close to figuring that out, too. But in, in the middle of this transformation we're doing, we're, we're, we're asking people to change how they work already. They're already used to not collaborating in that manner. Yes. So we made it real easy for them not to change. Because we put, uh, as soon as we told them, hey, it's time, we're going to start working together, we're going to talk a lot more, we're going to get, into, we're going to whiteboard things out, we're going to work together, then it was, oh, but we can't get together, so let's just continue doing what we were doing. So Oof. it really put a, it really put huge impediments to them growing and them changing, which then half the IT department starting to change. And the other half isn't, which means mm. the IT department's not changing because, yes. you know, th there's a lot of then conflict inside the, the, the teams about how we're going to work. And then different, different definitions of what collaboration meant mm. started really popping up. And, they, and, and although, you know, collaboration may have multiple, you know, idiosyncrasies, you know, changes, they were drastically different. It was almost like the difference between full collaboration and toddler parallel play. Some people, their collaboration was literally giving up work and walking away because mm. it, getting together and sitting next to each other and trying to either huddle through it or, or, or something like that just was, was, was too complicated, which is great, except for that's not real collaboration because they weren't actually working together to solve the problem. They were just divvying out tasks and doing their own thing and then coming mm. back and trying to get it back together. Yes. Which what we're really, you know, what we're trying to do to make the company better is make sure that we're working hand in hand on the work together, not just on trying to get, you know, ideas done. Yeah. So as a leader, tell me about what transformation you were trying to push back then. Well, I mean, I guess it was the overly popular agile transformation from mm -hmm. an IT standpoint. Um, and as far as that goes, I mean, that was its own hot mess to begin with as far as, <laughs> you know, um, not only where we were at that point, uh, but then where we're trying to go. 
but what we what we found is while we were going down that path is that our original transformation ideas were focused more around processes and technology and tools mm. and not along the values and and the and the really the culture of, of what we're trying to do, lining it to a vision of not only IT, but to the business. So we had already started changing that and we've really gotten into the tools are going to come, but they're not important. Processes will come, but they're not necessarily important. It's all, it's all about changing that mindset, changing the behavior, changing the way that we think about work, um, which then turns into changing the way we work. Yes. And that's, that's right around that same time period. So we were, we were mid that, that huge change, you know, start of change when we started noticing this, what's going on. Mm. And tell me if my assumption is off base here, but what I heard in, in that scenario is that you all believed at the time and you as a leader believed that if we just implemented the agile system adequately, then we'd have cultural change. Then we'd have new business results. Then we'd have people doing activities in new ways and being able to transform the business. Yeah. I think we thought if we just took care of it, the way IT would take care of it, the business would follow and, yes. and, and, and it would just no big issues. Um, working with additional uh, partners who came in and helped us understand that that was absolutely going to be the disaster. Um, that was going to be the hot mess. That was going to stay the hot mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we were going to end up quitting and, and going back and looking foolish. So um that's, you know, during that, that's when we said we have to start with, we have to start with the culture. We have to start with the values. We have to start with the why and the how, and then, or, you know, how, how we think and how we work with each other. And then the what we do and the how we actually do things will come and, you know, we'll be able to improve those as we need to. But you, we can't, we can't walk into a meeting and, 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 and try to work a new way and, think a different, think in, a, in an older and, 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 and less agile um, way of, of thinking, less value-driven thinking. So. Yes, yes, yes. This season of the Hot Mess Hotline is brought to you by my Hot Mess Quiz. One of the common lessons that my clients learn during coaching is how to really evaluate a problem dissect it for clarity, and then take action on the tasks that really move the needle. The Hot Mess Quiz can bring you that focus too. As a leader, your work life is full of, well, work. But according to Pareto, 80% of that work isn't even impactful. If you need to create growth and change, you need to focus in on what truly matters and what will drive new results. Take the Hot Mess Quiz by clicking on the link below, which is stephaniecrevins.com forward slash hot mess quiz. You know, just like this podcast promise, and this is in the real world too, what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real? That's what you're going to get in this report. It's going to be tailored to your business hot mess to tell you exactly where to focus your efforts first, and then how to bring your team along to get the change that you need to create. Go to stephaniecrevins.com forward slash hot mess quiz. Don't wait another minute to start becoming the pro troublemaker you've always wanted to be. And so it sounds like this physical space problem was the linchpin or one of the linchpins to get you all to truly pivot to something new. Uh, yeah, leadership in, in, in IT really saw that as, as a continual issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, we saw it, we had tried to, fi- we were trying to figure it out. We, we, we were, we were looking 
constantly for, for ways to figure it out. But it was when the team started complaining about not being a part of other things, not knowing what another department's doing, what another IT team's doing, you know, or, hey, we're doing all this work, but really we should be working with them to do it, but I can't get to them. You know, when we started hearing it and in, in, in the way they were working with each other, that's when we knew we're about to hit a boiling point where people are going to start giving up on this change mm-hmm. because it's too hard. Yes. Yeah. What was your sense of what the too hard was from your perspective? We were asking a lot of people who have excelled, you know, a, a lot of people who are mid and late in their career who have excelled in taking a problem individually and solving it. Mm-hmm. And their value was the work they brought to the table. Mm. So individual identity and individual value was huge. And what we've asked them to do is start pushing harder on group values, group delivery of, of ideas, working with your group. So um, your individual self matters, but it is not nearly as much as what the value your group brings to the table and what their, your group's delivering to the business. So, Several, we had a lot of people who, who felt like that was diluting their value because mm. now it's not their value anymore. It's, um, they, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's my group's value and, and they start, you know, we had to get, we're trying to get past that. Your, your value here is, is important, but it's, it's all the things that you bring, all the gifts that you bring to the table that the team can leverage and that you can leverage those same gifts from other members of the team that really add that value and really change who we are that's a huge change for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. people in IT who are, 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 are typically not, who, who kind of like to find the way that they work and that's what they're good at and they stay there. And they yeah. haven't been moved and pushed to change in 10, 15, 20 years. So all of a sudden we were trying to push and, and change that. And, and that, that, that itself was, 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 a, was a, you know, conflict itself. Even though as we talked to them, they all wanted it, but, I think because they realized that it needed to change, but wanting something and actually living through it and pushing through that change is completely different. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and, and I think that, that was the, that was the, the, the big pushback is just, it was, it was really changing how they had established themselves and their careers and how they had established themselves and, and their value from what they bring to the table. Um, and, and it had to get them past kind of the, that, uh, their emotional mindset of we're devaluing them. They're, they're not as valuable by themselves as they are with their team. And yes. it's, it's not that we're devaluing them. It's actually, we're, we're creating a force multiplier of bringing those great people together. Oh, force multiplier. That's a, that's a great word. Yeah. And what I know with my work with teams is that and individuals, right? When, when they feel like work is being taken away, it feels like they've done something wrong. A lot of people internalize that. You know, I've done something wrong. I must not have enough skill set. I must be inadequate in some kind of way. And as business leaders, and maybe, and this is probably a communication opportunity as well, it's, no, you're not doing anything wrong. It's, we have a new vision for our teams and I need you to add even more value by contributing your gifts to other gifts so that the team is stronger versus this isn't about your insecurity. It's not about anything you've done wrong. It's actually about everything you're doing right. But I need you to combine that with another person in a new way. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And then we all have baggage about team projects from school that we bring into the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I, I, you know, I remember <laughs> the college projects. I always tried to not be that guy. Yes. That was always my goal. I, I didn't know where I fit in the team. I just didn't want to be that guy who showed up and put his, piece, his name on the paper right before it got turned in. Yes, yes, yes. And for many of us overachievers, we felt an obligation to pick up 95% of the work. And then we were pissed off at the end because we did 95% of the work and we haven't broken those bad habits yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Might be speaking from experience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so looking back on that situation, the transformation that you were trying to create within your organization what other, what pain was, you, you've done a good job telling us a little bit about the pain from the business side of it. So folks that were outside of IT, what other feedback were you getting from the business because of the lack of collaboration, taking over conference spaces, that individualism that wasn't contributing to business results? Well, I think the big thing is, as we're, like I said, half the team was, half the, the IT team was transforming. So we're talking differently to the business. We're talking mm. about how we're going to be faster. We're talking about how we're collaborative. We're talking about how, you know, we're going to work together and, and we're going to iteratively work and make things faster and better and through quality. But that was the group of people who had really bought in quickly, who were already apt for change, who, you know, are already more, who had the ability to be more extroverted when they need to, who already were used to working with the business. Then when we go to deliver, it was very obvious that we were all not on the same page mm -hmm. because we were still slow. We still had a lot of rework. We had a lot of issues where if somebody wasn't here, things didn't happen. Mm. So we yeah. just, we had just, we still, you know, we started covering up the fact that we, you know, we started building this nice bubble around all the silos and mm. only trying to present the bubble. But as soon as we all started collaborating and in, in, in the realms of transparency, it was really easy to see all the silos. Yes. And, 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 and that really, from the business standpoint, they started to, at that point to really question, I, I guess, my sanity of trying to do this, you know, push this transformation, mm -hmm. um, you know, go, and going down that path. So, yeah. Yeah. Your reputation as a leader is going to get questioned because other leaders in the business can't interact with your team in a consistent way. So they Absolutely. don't know what to expect. Yeah. And they don't understand why sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And what can they do to, to get their things done so they can add value to the business as well? So, Yes, yes. And I want to point out something else you said, Mike. You know, you had certain processes that didn't happen if someone took a sick day, if they were on vacation, um, or they decided to mentally check out that day. For my listeners, I need you to know that in this day and age of technology, that is absolutely unacceptable business practice. For a team to not be able to deliver on a process or result because one person is out mm -hmm. is so detrimental. I've experienced this in multiple companies. I had an accounting team I was working with. And if someone happened to be sick on Tuesday, which is payday, payroll went out late, which can run you into some serious legal troubles. But people were getting paid late because someone needed a sick day. That is absolutely unacceptable business practice. You need cross-training. You need documented processes. It's, this is one of my soapboxes. I'll, I'll pause for a minute, but it is just in this day and age that of what tech can support in our businesses, we need redundancy, cross-training in helpful ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's a hot mess on its own, but that's part, you know, 
and and that that goes back to the the issue of being able to collaborate we had a bunch of i-shaped employees they only knew how to do these specific things they were really deep in this technology mm-hmm. um, and what we're really trying to drive is t and pie-shaped employees where they have a wide breadth of knowledge across uh, at, a, at least a general level across a lot of different technologies, a lot of different processes, enough that they can read documentation and fill in if somebody isn't there. Yes. Then they can have their specializations, uh, you know, where it makes sense, which is, when they, once again, that's really hard. You know, you talk to a, you know, uh, a server technician and you're like, hey, congratulations, you need to learn the network. And for, their, for half their career, they've always been that huge dividing line between network and servers. Mm. And you know, from us who who are seeing the trends in technology, you already know that that doesn't exist anymore. They're they're one and the same. But for them, in an operational standpoint, once again, we're asking them to change again. We're asking them to open their minds up to a whole nother realm of technology mm-hmm. that was not in their passion. It was not in what they ever wanted to do. So they fought against. We fought against that as well. And once mm-hmm. again, it was it was hard because your server people are on one side of the building or one side of a, a cubicle area and. Your network people are on, on the other, and they're never there when when they, you know, you can't just drop by. Yes. So. Yes. So that physical space reinforced the mental space that existed. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, where we did have things, our cubicles, it's a great design, the way that they designed our little pods of cubicles for groups that are really good into a lot of people individually working. Mm. Um, they all the desks face out from each other, so everyone is facing backs are facing each other. So that's that does not lead to collaboration, <laughs> you know. Because um, and they tried by putting a little table in the middle of of all the cubicles. And the idea there is here's a little team huddle room and things like that. But really, what it is it's 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 the place where people drop all their crap, and it's where the cookies are and the donuts are and swag we get from conferences, and it, no one ever meets there. So, you know, the idea of how you get that, even that team itself to collaborate when they're all, even though groups that are right next to each other, they don't collaborate because their backs are facing each other. So Mm -hmm. they they don't have to look at each other. We saw many occasions where people sitting next to each other in cubicles were working together over Slack or over email rather than turning 90 degrees Mm. to talk to the person sitting next to them because it, it just was not it required them to physically change how they were working. Yes, yes. And and I would say too, it also reinforced the introversion, which introversion is, is a great is a great way to be. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, but when it comes to collaboration, we've got we gotta help people get out of that comfort zone. And a lot of IT people don't have the verbal acuity to interact with say a sales team or a marketing team because it's two they work from two very different sides of their brains. And so we're not helping them enhance their skills of verbal acuity, communicating clearly with their words if we allow them to can you can continue to just use Slack and email and those kinds of tech platforms. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Because yeah, the, the business expects the business expects to be communicated with adequately and a lot of IT teams are not known for that, unfortunately. So no, they need some that, help. That, a lot of times that's why we all got an IT anyway, so we could go sit in the closet and no one would bother us. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And for me as a coach, I got into coaching so I could have more meetings. I love meetings. I love talking to people. <laughs> 
I know that's really sick and twisted, isn't it? Who yeah. says that? <laughs> yeah. You, you may need help. <laughs> I, I probably do. That's true. <laughs> I would agree with you. So you are a primary leader that gets to interact with the other vice presidents in the company. One last question on kind of the pain around the business results. What were you doing to hold back the IT team from better serving the business by not having the right kind of physically collaborative space? Well, a lot of it, we were, we were obfuscating the transparency we'd been preaching Mm. because we had the opportunity to, and because it just, it wasn't there even within IT. We were also making us very unapproachable because no one knew what they were going to get. No one knew who they were going to get at any given time. So when we, as we started building in actual processes, it was really hard for them to work with us when it wasn't one person that they knew and trusted. Mm. We, we started having to build very discreet and um, strong relationships between one or two people in IT and the business to help cover for that, which made it very hard for those two people to get anything done because they're constantly having to be in front of the, the business talking about why we're not delivering back here on the other side. Mm. And how did we determine that was the priority to get things done? Because, you know, it seems like this is more important than the other, but it was, well, we can get this thing done faster. <laughs> you know, yes. you know, this person, you know, we're able to get stuff through this team a little quicker because they're willing to show up for these things and they have time to do this or they're open to these kind of conversations where other teams we couldn't. So we just tried to continually figure out how to play around with the prioritization to help give them some air coverage to get work done. But at the same point, I mean, but we're doing all this work and preaching transparency. And actually that's the transparency we were showing. We were showing that we were kind of having to play around to protect the the people. Mm. And that really started, you know, weighing in on their trust and, and, and IT in general at that point. And we had pockets of really great success, but it was really great success because we worked, overly hard at getting that success mm-hmm. and we've 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 won a lot because of that we've learned a lot because of that but it's not sustainable if only one group is going to have those successes and it wasn't that they did anything different or weird it's that they worked hard to make sure that they overcame that physical distance they worked hard to make sure that they were participating with the business so they had mm-hmm. to put in a ton of extra effort to do it which is great it's just the environment we're in allowed everyone, a lot of other people to not do that and still have a limited amount of success personally, you know, for themselves and getting stuff done. Mm. So I'm hearing certain individuals, small number of teams were being overburdened because not everyone was carrying their weight, Mm -hmm. no consistent brand experience, which is what builds trust with teams, departments, companies. Those are some big, those are some big business issues. Yeah, a lot of escalations. I was getting mm. in the middle of a lot of things that mm. should never have gotten to, to to even to my team's level, my my management team's level. But it was coming up to me just because it was not getting done because they were trying to figure out how to collaborate, but then didn't, and then it just stopped. And then they try to figure out how to collaborate, and it didn't, and then it just stopped. So, yes. and not wanting to just say, okay, you guys go take it, go back to your corners, figure it out, fix it. It required a lot of escalation and then additional time either by me, or my product team, you know, the, our, our, our internal leadership team taking time out 
to just help walk through those with them, to show them that they already know how to do this. They already are good at this. It's just, it's different and getting them to understand that, that it's possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all along, unfortunately, on the back of our head, we knew this is one time. The next time this happens, they're not going to default to this new behavior. They're going to default back to the behavior they had before. We're going to have to try to figure out how to dedicate some time to pulling them together and, and work, having them work together. So even though they see the, the win, it's just still just such a huge drastic change in how they communicate and how they yes. work and the environment allow it. Yes. It's very easy to hide in our environment. Mm. And it was very easy to make problems very expensive. Your time is much more expensive than that individual contributor who should have made the decision, who should have fixed the issue, Absolutely. who should have balanced urgent and important more effectively. Ooh. Absolutely. Okay. All right. We're going to take a pause on Mike's story right here. I want to give you an opportunity to think about a hot mess that you have around space, collaboration, transparency. You know, what's highlighted for me in Mike's story right now is where he talks about the real problem behind communication. Every client I walk into, the first thing they say to me is, number one problem, communication. Well, how do you begin to break that down? You do it with this analysis, this thought process like Mike has brought to us today. So think through that and then come back for the next episode with Mike where we're going to dig in more into how you truly create transparency, collaboration, teamwork, and ultimately transformation by trying out some simple ideas, making it easy for people to change, piloting, beta testing, if you will, all those, all those testing words and seeing what the possibilities are. All right. See you next time, friend. 